but it's uh, good to be together today to worship God. Temptation is a ubiquitous fact of human existence. Everyone faces temptation. And you're not weird because you face temptation with a certain sin. Everyone is tempted. And you're not tempted in ways that are unique to you. You're tempted like everyone else. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, we read, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You face temptations. Others face temptations like you. And that's a part of our human existence. And God has promised us that we're going to be tempted. He's also promised us that he'll make it possible for us to withstand those temptations. Temptations are so common to the human existence that even Jesus faced temptations. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus himself faced temptations. Temptation and being tempted is common to all. But dealing with temptation as God would have us to is not common to all. In fact, it's uncommon, isn't it? Most, as we know, will yield to temptation. This is what puts you on the broad way that leads to destruction that many are going down, is that many are yielding to the temptation rather than resisting it. But we, though, since we're interested in being on the narrow way, we want to make sure that we resist temptation. The narrow way, as you recall, is called the difficult way because it is difficult to withstand temptation. And it is not easy. But as 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, it is possible. This morning, I want to look at a character of faith who did a great job of resisting temptation. And that is in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis chapter 39. I want to look at Joseph. And I want to look at how he resisted temptation because I think he can tell us how and show us how we can deal with the most difficult of temptations in our lives. Before we go there, though, I want to stop and I want to make a point that I hope is obvious. But just because I stand in this pulpit and I present God's word to you, I don't want to present myself as the one who's perfect in any subject because I present the truth of the scriptures, I hope. And that is certainly true in this subject about temptation this morning. I'm not presenting how we deal with temptation as being the, as saying that I'm perfect in this. If I were to say that, then I would say I don't have sin. I'm presenting the truth of God's word, and hopefully it'll help us all as we strive to be more pleasing to God. In Genesis chapter 39, we remember the temptation that was presented Joseph by his master's wife. Would you begin reading with me in Genesis chapter 39, starting in verse 1? Now an Egyptian brought him to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. 
So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he's committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. So it was, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came in to me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted up my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was when his master heard these words, which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. Joseph dealt with an incredible temptation here, and how he deals with this temptation teaches us an important lesson on how we can deal with temptations ourselves. How did he do it? How did Joseph resist temptation? First of all, I want to tell you that he didn't let his past hinder him. Joseph didn't let his past hinder him from being what he needed to be. Think of all the things that had happened to Joseph that could have embittered him. Could have made him very sour on life. His brothers hated him. His brothers had sold him into slavery. Can you imagine your family members doing that? Selling you to a stranger selling you into slavery for no reason other than the fact they just hated you and they couldn't stand seeing you. They sold him into slavery. He was taken taken far from his family. He had to go somewhere where he was entirely alone. There was no family around him. There were no friends around him. How easy it would have been for him to just give up and give in. How easy it would have been for him to just conclude it isn't worth it at all. How easy it would have been for him to conclude that he just couldn't resist. Think of all the excuses that Joseph could have made for why he didn't have to do what God told him to do, but he didn't make those excuses, did he? Think of others in the Scriptures who are put forward as people of faith, who had very sordid past, who had done terrible things in their past, and yet they left their past behind them to serve God. Think about David. Think about the fact that he had committed adultery and then he had compounded that sin by committing murder and he put that behind him and he lived faithfully. Think about Rahab the harlot who is commended for her faith. 
Think about all the people in Hebrews chapter 11 who had sins in their past, and if they put their past behind them to resist temptation going forward. Think about the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, the Apostle Paul says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And don't you imagine that it would be hard for Paul to think about his past and how he had persecuted those who had the same faith that he now had. And yet he was able to put those things in the past to serve God faithfully. Joseph did not allow his past to hinder him from living like he should. And we can't allow the negative things in our past to hinder us and to bog us down and cause us to yield into temptation. And just as Joseph would have been unjustified in excusing his behavior because of all the things that he had been through, so are we. We can't let our past keep us from doing what God would want us to do. Secondly, this morning I want to tell you that Joseph resisted temptation because he shut the door to temptation. Joseph didn't leave the door open. He didn't leave it cracked open. Notice in Genesis chapter 39, verse 7, beginning. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, lie with me. But he refused. He didn't let the idea bounce around in his head. He didn't toy with the idea. He didn't consider it. He didn't weigh it out. He didn't think about whether or not he could get away with it or what, how all this would work out. No, he just refused. He shut the door to temptation. From the very beginning, he shut it down. How many times have we yielded to temptation because we didn't shut the door? Because we entertained the thought. Sin was presented to us and we thought about, well, maybe we would like to do that. Sin was presented to us, and we thought, well, maybe we could get away with it. Sin was presented to us, and we thought about how wonderful it would be. We didn't shut the door. Maybe we just didn't think it was worth it to resist it. Maybe we just didn't care. Maybe we just weren't going to fight it. Whatever it was, we left the door open, and when we leave the door open, soon we'll fall. Jesus says that we will act the way that we think. And if we don't think that we're going to shut the door to temptation, but we leave the door open, then Jesus says, then we'll soon fall to that temptation. Mark chapter 7, verse 20. Mark 7, verse 20. And he said, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Notice this, verse 23. All these things come from within and defile a man. How we think about sin matters. 
How we think about sin, how we view sin, it matters. If we're thinking about it and we're thinking about how we would like to do it or start thinking about how this would bring us pleasure or happiness, if we're thinking about sin, about doing sin, it will soon come out. We will soon do it, Jesus says. We have to hate sin. We have to shut the door on sin. We can't leave it cracked open in our hearts. We have to hate it. In Proverbs chapter 4, in Proverbs chapter 4, notice how we do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil. And their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter into the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Notice how we should react when we're presented with evil. We need to turn away from it and pass on. Verse 14 says, or verse 15, avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Shut the door. Don't entertain the thought. Look at all the sin, the trouble that sin is causing here in this passage. Look how much trouble it's causing in the lives of others. Look at all the trouble it has caused us in the past. We need to turn away from it. We need to shut the door on it. Don't leave the door cracked open to temptation. We need to abhor it. That's what Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Abhor it. That means I don't cast longing eyes on it. That means I don't dwell on how I would like to do it if I could get away with it. That, doesn't, that means I don't think about how much I want to do this sin. No, I abhor sin. I abhor evil. That has to be our attitude. Think about some foods that you abhor. I don't know what that food might be. Maybe anchovies. Can we do anchovies? Do you think about how you would like to eat anchovies? Do you think about how you could, if you could just get them on your plate, then things would be great? No, you abhor them. You don't want to think about them. There are things that, that disgust you. And when you're set down to a meal and someone talks, starts talking about that, you say, please, I'm trying to eat. I don't, want to, I don't want you talking about that. I don't want to think about that. I abhor that. That needs to be our attitude towards sin, all sin. We need to abhor it. Not be cracking the door open and entertaining the thought in our minds and longing for it. No, I abhor it. I want it out of my life. Joseph shut the door on temptation, and he was able to resist this strong temptation from his master's word, that he was accountable to God. Notice back in verse 9 of Genesis chapter 39. There's no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph knew that he was accountable to God. He remembered that. Now this is especially remarkable given that Joseph is so far away from his family and from others that could hold him accountable. Joseph is in a foreign land by himself, away from others. And he, yet he remembers that he's accountable, not to people that are around him, but he's accountable to God Almighty. We need to remember that as well. How easy it would have been for him to conclude, no one else will ever know. 
I can do this and nobody back home will ever find out. It won't matter. Nobody's going to know. It's okay. He didn't think that way. He knew that God would hold him accountable. I've seen Christians, and you probably have too, who engaged in evil because they thought no other Christians were around. They thought they were, could do it in anonymity. No other Christians would find out, and so they engaged in some evil. They forgot that they were accountable to God. They thought their only accountability was maybe to their parents or to their spouse or to the elders of the church or to other Christians. Joseph knew. Joseph knew that we will give an account to God, like it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Joseph knew. Joseph knew there is no secrets with God. God will hold us accountable. We're accountable to God. In Romans chapter 14, verse 11, beginning... For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Every one of us will give an account of ourselves to God. And there are no secrets with him. Joseph remembered this. And this remembering of his accountability to God, I believe, helped him resist temptation. Number four. I want to tell you that Joseph was able to resist temptation because he was not hindered by concern for the tempter. Joseph was not concerned about the tempter. He wasn't concerned about Potiphar's wife. Never in the account do we see Joseph concerned about how telling Potiphar's wife no would impact her. We don't see Joseph being concerned well, if I tell her no, is it going to hurt her feelings? What will me rejecting her do to her? We don't see Joseph being encumbered by the concerns of the tempter and being concerned for the tempter. Now, it does seem that Joseph is concerned about her soul. Notice back in Genesis chapter 39, beginning of verse 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he's committed all that he has to my hand. There's no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you were his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He explains to her his reasoning for not yielding to her temptation. It seems that he's trying to explain her. This is wrong, and you shouldn't do it, and I shouldn't do it, and this is all altogether wrong. We, we, we can't do this. He's, he seems to have concern for her soul. As a side note, the opportunity to use as a teaching moment. You know, we look for opportunities to teach. And maybe when someone's tempting us to do evil, maybe that's the opportunity that we're looking for. Rather than just giving an excuse why we can't do something, maybe we ought to use it as the opportunity to tell them why we can't do it. I can't go with you fishing on Sunday morning because that's when I worship God. Because God comes first before fishing. Rather than just coming to, well, no, I, I can't go Sunday, but you go have fun. Why don't I use that as a teaching opportunity? No, I can't go out with you after work because you guys just go out drinking and carousing, and I don't believe that's Right, the scriptures teach me to live a pure life. 
use those as opportunities. Joseph was taking advantage. Now, it's going to have to, it's going to require courage to do that. It's going to be a lot harder to do that than just make up some flimsy excuse. But Joseph had courage, didn't he? He said, I can't do this great wickedness and sin against God. So he was concerned about her soul. But I want to tell you that his concern for her soul did not put Joseph in a compromising situation. He did not allow that to happen. He told her why it was wrong. He told her he wasn't going to do it. And when she continued, Joseph separated himself from the temptation because he was not going to allow his association with her to put him in a compromising situation. He told her why what she was proposing was wrong. And it was clear that she wasn't interested in hearing the truth on that matter. And so that was it. He didn't allow himself to continue to be put in that situation for fear of hurting her feelings or with some type of hope that maybe if he keeps working with her that she'll now quit propositioning him. No, he did not allow her to put him in a compromising position. We need to do the same. It doesn't matter how much we care about someone else's soul. If they're not committed to doing what is right, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 is an absolute. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. If we continue to associate with people who are living in a way that's not pleasing to God, in spite of us trying to encourage them to do better, if we continue to associate with that, those people, 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, it will affect us, and it will bring us down, and it will cause us to do evil. Joseph was around Potiphar's wife. She was trying to get him to do what is wrong. He said, no, that's wrong. We can't do that. She continued to want to do what was wrong, and Joseph had to separate himself from her. Tell you, we're going to have to separate ourselves from people who encourage us to do bad. We can't allow our concern for others to cause us to be put in a position that would cause us to yield to temptation. And remember, no one was ever able to help someone do better by engaging in sin with them. No one has ever been able to help someone do better and to live a better life by engaging in sin with them or in enabling them to sin, or by compromising and not condemning their sin. No one has ever helped anyone do better by doing that. No, we're only going to do better if we live better ourselves. And we're only going to help people do better if we'll live better ourselves. Look at Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10 beginning. Proverbs 1, verse 10, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait to shed blood. Let us lurk innocent, or secretly for innocent, the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood." It appears in this passage that these were the young man's friends. And they seemed to have a relationship with him. And the instruction with, to that young man is you cut that relationship off. 
If these young men are not going to do what's right, if they're trying to bring you down and get you to do evil with them, you need to cut that relationship off. Don't allow your concern for them to cause you to yield to temptation. Jesus, or Joseph's concern for Potiphar's wife didn't cause him to yield to her temptation. Number five this morning, I think Joseph was able to resist temptation because he didn't care about the consequences of saying no. It didn't take a lot of imagination, I think, on Joseph's part to know that refusing her propositions could have had consequences. Yet those consequences were not part of the consideration for Joseph as he's deciding whether or not to yield to this temptation. He didn't reason from the consequences. He didn't look at the consequences and say, you know what, I think I'm going to go along with this because it, it, might, it might be bad if I don't. No, Joseph knew what was right, and he was going to do what was right regardless of the consequences. And I want to tell you, we can't allow the consequences of resisting temptation to be the excuse that we give for yielding to those temptations. And Jesus promised us that there will be consequences for not yielding to temptation. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Matthew 5, verse 10, beginning. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus said it's going to come. If we're living like we should, if we're resisting temptation, there are going to be consequences. Kids, there are going to be consequences. If you're going to live like you should, other kids are going to make fun of you. If you're going to live like you should, other kids are going to call you a mama's boy or a mama's girl. If you're going to live like you should, there are going to be people who won't want to be your friends anymore. We have to be like Joseph, and we have to stand up against temptation and do what is right. You know, as adults, it doesn't get any easier, does it? We still might be made fun of as adults for doing the right thing. There might be consequences for us in the community, in our families, on the job. If we stand up for what's right, we need to be like Joseph and not allow this to hinder our resolve to resist temptation. Finally, this morning, Joseph was able to resist temptation because he was willing to flee the temptation. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 11, but it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. There are times when dealing with temptation, the only way to do so is by removing ourselves from the situation. When we've tried to teach a tempter and they refuse to listen, when we've stated our position on the matter, but the temptation persists. When remaining in the situation poses a threat to our spiritual well-being, we have to flee. And there's nothing disgraceful in that. But Joseph was willing to do it, and we need to as well. Over and over again, we're told to flee from sin. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. Flee also youthful lust. But pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. We cannot stay in a situation that will cause us to sin. Staying in the house with Potiphar's wife 
threatened Joseph's well-being, and he had to flee. And I'll tell you, there are times when we're going to have to flee as well. Maybe it's the associations that we keep. Maybe it's the job that we have. Maybe it's the places that we go. Maybe it's the way that we use the internet. Maybe it's the, way, the music that we listen to. Maybe it's you fill in the blank. If it's causing you to be tempted and causing you to sin, then we need to be like Joseph and we need to be willing to flee from that. Whatever is tempting us to sin, we need to get rid of it. We need to flee from it. And you're not a coward if you run away. You don't have to stay in those situations that are tempting you to sin. You can flee. Joseph resented temptation because he didn't allow the past to hinder him. He didn't, shut, he didn't leave the door open to temptation. He shut the door. He knew that he was accountable to God. He wasn't hindered by concern for Potiphar's wife. He was going to do the right thing. He didn't care about the consequences, and he was willing to flee temptation. Temptation to sin is going to present it to itself to us regularly. We must have the resolve like Joseph did to resist it at all costs. Do you have that resolve? In James chapter 4, verse 7, we see that resisting temptation is a two-part process. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. To resist the devil and to resist temptation, we have to draw near to God. We need to submit to Him in every aspect of our lives. You're not going to be successful resisting temptation until you completely submit to God and His will for you. Are you submitting to Him today? Are you a Christian? Have you become a Christian by obeying what He tells you to do? In Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, we read, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Have you been put on Christ in baptism this morning? And are you living by resisting temptation? If you're not, is there anything we can do to help you? Will you let us know while we stand and sing?